When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Winds Howling, a companion podcast to The Witcher TV show on Netflix. We'll be diving deep into each episode of the show and exploring the larger context of the story from the games and novels. I'm Brett. And my name's Abu. And we're finally here to talk about anything and everything. No rules today, Brett. Absolutely no rules. So yeah, this is the blanket spoiler (laughs) warning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and to be more specific with a spoiler warning, today's episode, if the title of this episode wasn't clear enough, is a spoiler cast. There are no rules. We are talking about everything that happens in the games, in the show, in the books, in every single book. So if you have not fully consumed all there is to consume about the Witcher universe, do not proceed. So consider that your warning. In about 15 seconds here, we are going to launch into nothing but spoilers, so get out while you can. All right, should we dive straight into it? Yeah, let's dive into it. So we sort of broke up today's episode into a couple of key things we wanted to talk about. So we're going to start off with a couple of spoiler things that we saw in season one, some of the topics that we definitely hinted at throughout the season and throughout our episode breakdowns, but we tried not to get into too much so show-only watchers could enjoy the the show on its own merits. Uh, so we'll get into those topics first, and then we'll get into some Season 2 speculation, what we're hoping for, what we want to see, what we think we'll see, uh, and then we'll wrap it up from there. So let's dive into our first topic, Brett. You wanted to talk about Vilgaforts. Daddy Vilgaforts. Daddy Vilgaforts. Yeah! All right, so the biggest thing to come from him, and I think that everybody who has read the books and who knows the story probably was that Kair whipped his ass. Ooh. Again, everything from Sodden that we saw essentially was show-created. Triss mentions it because she was there and other things that we get kind of this background, but we never saw it in person like we did for the all of episode eight. Mm -hmm. And so Kair, whom I don't believe was there as he had other things going on, is there in the show. He's essentially leading the armies in the show, and he finds himself one-on-one with Vilgefortz, who uses up his chaos, and he beats the shit out of him. Right, and there's a lot of speculation going on online and in the Twitter fan base about why this scene was included and what it could mean for both Kahir's character going forward and for Vilgefortz's character going forward. Because again, like you said, this scene does not take place in the books. Kahir and Vilgefortz do not fight at Sodden Hill. Uh, and especially the thing that like <laughs> really caught me off guard initially was Vilgefortz basically getting his ass kicked, which I think he threw the fight because in the novels, Vilgefortz is an extremely powerful sorcerer and an incredible fighter. At the Thanad coup in the novels, Vilgefortz kicks Geralt's ass and then just leaves him there and tells him, hey, that was your punishment. Don't fuck with me. 
So if he can kick Geralt's ass, I don't see how Kahir wins this fight. So I'm almost certain that we will at some point, potentially in season two, maybe later, have a big reveal that shows us that Vilgefort's here threw this fight against Kahir on purpose, or it was planned. And here's a big thing that I've said before, and I'll say it again. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the show is going to do. It is an adaptation. All yeah. we can do is speculate from this happened in the books. So obviously with what they're doing with Kahir, with Fringilla, with a lot of Nilfgaard, is not what they had in the books. And so with this, the only thing I can really think of is, yeah, he threw that fight because either one was because it's a show thing and they just want to like kind of confuse the audience and be like, hey, what the? And the second one is he was being watched, if you will. Or he needed to do that. Or that was his time to slip away from the mages. Because now the Northern Realms mages, the rest of them, they don't know where he is. Maybe they can presume he's dead. And now he goes off on his own to do whatever he's going to do. Which, from the books, would be his whole plan for Siri, And then double-crossing Emir. <laughs> basically trying to fuck over everybody. Right, right. It really, it really does come off as a scene where Vilgefortz is faking his death so he can get away from the mages and... Then, of course, that scene at the end where he kills that wounded northern soldier sort of reveals to us that there's more to Vilgefortz going on than we initially anticipated in the show. Because he's really been in the background, right? Like, he didn't show up this season until, what, episode seven, maybe? Yeah, I believe it was seven. Yeah, so he was very much in the background, and the his reveal was just sort of out of left field, and uh, obviously in the books, he's a major character, he's a major antagonist. Do you think we're going to see more Vilgefortz in season two, or is this something we're slowly going to unravel? No, I think I think for sure, and this hits on a point that you had in there about Rents coming up, uh, I think they're going to show more of him. One, because I think the reception to him was very well. Um, you and me, especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> enjoyed mm. the uh, portrayal <laughs> of him. Enjoyed yes, the actor who did it. Yeah, it was fantastic. And so... I think without question, someone like him, as charismatic as that actor is, um, I think 100% if, well, I should just say what I would do. <laughs> if I saw this reaction, I would put him more in this season, and I would have it to be where, okay, Rince is the bad from two, and he's answering to Vilgefortz. So you, you think we're going to see a pretty significant Vilgefortz presence in season two, or at it's, least that's what you would do? See, and that's what it is. I don't want to predict in the sense of like, oh, I think anytime someone's going to predict something like that, like, oh, I think this is going to happen. That's just another way of saying what they want to happen or what they would do. And so that's what I'm saying. I want, oh, I want to see a ton of him. I see. Okay. So I actually am of the opposite mind, I think, going into season two. So we're sort of going off the assumption we were talking about this right before we started to record, going off the assumption that each season loosely covers each book season two would be about blood of elves right and vilgefortz doesn't have much of a presence in blood of elves i don't think he's even mentioned he's reince is sort of the main antagonist in that book and reince is the one that Geralt is hunting and who's hunting siri i think in season two we're gonna see a lot of reince and I think you're right that Vilgefortz will be a presence, especially now that we've casted him and, uh, you know, he's become a fan favorite. I'm sure he'll have a presence, but I think it'll be very, like, behind the scenes, pulling the strings. Maybe we'll see a couple of scenes of him. 
I don't think he will be play a significant role until future seasons. I guess I yeah, I agree with you there. I just think that they'll have to keep him around so people remember who he is. Yes. But then again, it also is a binge show, which is different than doing week to week, isn't it? So maybe they actually don't really have to do that. But no, correct. Like, and it's the way it's set up in Blood of Elves, again, if I remember correctly, that yeah, Vilgefortz. Yeah, he's just kind of in the background there. So I agree with you there. I think he'll be in the background, but I hope to see him at least maybe every other episode just so we'll kind of remember who he is. Yeah, I agree. I think I think his presence will still definitely be felt, and uh, I'm sure we'll see him a number of times throughout the season. So let's transition to our second topic we wanted to talk about. We met Dunny this season in the incredible banquet episode. When I actually think back on the season— Time and time again, I come back to this banquet episode. I think it's up there, like maybe top three, maybe top two favorite episodes for me personally. Obviously, if you're a book reader, you know that Dunny is actually Amir. And at one point, he connects with Vilgefortz, as we've mentioned, and they plot and they plan to get Amir back on the throne. And they do. And eventually he leads Nilfgaard. Eventually, there's a huge reveal that Amir is Ciri's father because he's Dunny. And that he's still alive, and he he's basically invading the North to get Siri back. So that's going to be a pretty big reveal. Do you think we're going to get that reveal in season two? That seems like a big thing to hold in your pocket. Well, do you do you remember when that reveal happens in the books? In the books, yeah. Like I'm just asking. I know when it is. I'm just wondering if you remember. Isn't it when Geralt and Yen and Siri get captured? Yeah, it's literally at the damn near ending of the entire novels. Yeah, yeah. It, it's when Geralt and Yennefer get captured, and then they are about to commit suicide, basically. Yeah, it's chapter nine of Lady of the Lake. Like, ah, it's literally yeah. the very end. It's after Stiga Castle. It's almost at the very end when they oh, reveal. yeah, it's after Bonhart gets killed, too. It's after everything. It's literally everything. the only thing that doesn't happen before they die at the end. Like, before that yeah. whole thing happens, before the um, Rivian pogrom. Like that's once yeah it's literally the end of the books like so that's when there's it no is. way we're getting this in season two if if they can pull it off correctly I think this reveal could be the Witcher's version of Jon Snow's parentage and I think if I were in their shoes in the shoes of the showrunners I would hold on to this I I would not reveal this for gosh two or three more seasons like I would hold on to this and make this like the big reveal that we're working up to. I guess the only thing with that is with like Jon Snow's parentage, specifically, you know, the mother, because we were supposedly know who the father was. That was a massive part of his character. And that was something brought up literally from like the first episode when they're leaving. And he's like, Hey, who's my mother? And Ned's like, ah, I'll tell you when I see you again, which is famous last words of anybody who says that. In any piece of media. And so that played throughout the entire series. His whole character was just like, I'm a bastard. I don't know who my mother is. And my dad is this honorable person. Dunny's not that to anybody here. Like, everyone just thinks he's dead. So no one's really, no one's looking for him. Siri's not like, oh, I need to, who are my parents? Tell me about my parents. Like, she don't give a shit. Like, as we find out here, by the end of this book, her parents are Geralt and Yen. Like, that's who she sees as her parents. Absolutely. And if if anything, she sort of rejects the mirror when she does find out, you know? Like, yeah. oh, it, oh, it's not completely. some sort of transformative thing for her. At this point, 
like you said, Geralt and Yennefer are her parents, and she doesn't give a fuck if Amir is her, Amir is her actual like blood father. You know? Yeah. No. And she. Yeah. She doesn't want all that. And so that's why I don't think, to me, the payoff. Unless they do some something else, maybe they write some stuff in and create some things to make that payoff later. I don't think that's it. I think they could do that in this season. And it's still, for people that didn't know, be like, oh, shit, that was Dunny? Oh, wow, that's crazy. Okay, now, I just don't think it's that big of a thing to hit as hard. Yeah, th- it could be a season full of plot twists, learning about Vilgefortz, learning about Ciri's bloodline, <laughs> learning about Amir. Yeah, they got a whole lot to... <laughs> well, they got a lot, a lot of time unpack. now. Yeah, they stopped, they stopped filming because of the old corona. So yeah. um, they got time to do, to rewrite whatever the hell they want, I guess, now. True. <laughs> Mid-production. True. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to the woman of the hour herself, Siri. We learned a little bit about her this season. We got a number of hints throughout the season that she is special, that she has some sort of powers. We saw the powers in action near the end of the season when she murdered a bunch of people. And uh, we know that Siri is special. We know Nilfgaard is looking for Siri, or at least uh, the show may not have made that entirely clear. But if you listen to our podcast, you know that. Do you think we're going to learn a lot more about Siri in season two? Because I think so. I think this is going to be Siri season. Yeah, this is also where the like the series is The Witcher. The books Geralt is the main character. He is. He might be the main character, but it's not really his story. Like, this, the novels are Siri's story. She is, again, maybe she's not the protagonist, I should say, but she, it is absolutely her story. And Geralt, as the main character, as the titular witcher, is there as the vessel for telling it in that sense of, and for us to see that struggle coming through. And so, without question. A key part of Siri's story is. The prophecy, right? Like the prophecy, Ithlian's prophecy is about her in some sense. Yeah, the prophecy, if, again, the thing about prophecies and what I like is they're fucking stupid. They're bullshit. <laughs> and they can, well, no, but they can be whatever you want. And so like, oh, Ithlian's prophecy, verily I say unto you, ere the sword and axe is nigh, wolf's blizzard, time of contempt, white chill, white light, time of madness, time of contempt, time of end, all of that, everything will die and be reborn with the elder blood. Okay, and that's the thing. She carries the elder blood. It's why Emir wants her. Right. And we heard parts of the prophecy here in season one. Siri said it herself when she went into her trance, and Kahir also said it directly into the camera, at least parts of it. And uh, I think in season two, that prophecy will start to become much more critical. Like, we might actually hear it in its entirety in season two. Yeah, I mean, we heard when, I don't know if Siri was saying it per se in that trance. I don't know if that was actually her voice or whatever. I guess it could have been because it was all kind of weird, wasn't it? If I remember. Right, right. Yeah, her Um, voice totally changed. But yeah, I mean, it says pretty much the, it says almost the whole thing. Like it doesn't say, if I remember again correctly, does it say that it'll be reborn of the elder blood and all that and burst into I don't think the words elder blood were mentioned. And that's kind of key. But that's literally, okay, like, oh man, I'm going to start reading Blood of Elves, all right? I'm going to open up the book. All right, there's information. Oh, what's the first thing? This little prologue is literally Ithlian's prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the first thing you read unless you go straight to chapter one. So, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Because, again, everything from Siri comes down to 
somebody, everybody wants her for something except Geralt and Yen. Okay, everybody does. The lodge, well, the Brotherhood is now gone. When we see the Lodge of Sorceress, they want her. They will do anything and use anybody to get her. Every king wants her because, hey, I can have a kid with her. And then not only is she the heir to Sintra, not only will I get Sintra, Elder Blood, all this fun stuff. Emir obviously wants her because he believes in the prophecy or he wants to just bang his daughter. You can choose that on your own. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, whichever one there. So just about everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody that comes in wants her for something. Leo Bonart wants her. Again, we'll talk about him coming up. Rince, Vilgefortz. Vilgefortz wants her to do all that weird shit he's going to do. To harness Basically, her power, yeah. Cut, well, yeah, and cut her open and take her uterus out and where he can just make a baby from that and not actually have to do that. Yeah, Vilgefortz, everybody. <laughs> if, they do, if they do any, if they make him like the books... It'll be fucking wild what he does. So yeah, that's right thing, now, right now he's kind of like a fan favorite, likable character. But, oh yeah, <laughs> that's gonna oh, change. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still like, again, there's times when you can like the bad guys because of their portrayal. Okay, yeah, like of course, it happens of in a whole bunch of things when it's not so black and white. Like it's a problem of what I had in Lord of the Rings where. Like, the bad guys in Lord of the Rings were just bad. There were no redeeming qualities about them. Like, everything they wanted to do was just for, like, being bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, when you see that, you can see that Shades of Grey and everything. Like, again, going back to Game of Thrones, Tywin Lannister's another one. Tywin Lannister is a horrible, horrible person. But you kind of get those Shades of Grey with him. You see where it's coming from. And Charles Dance's portrayal was fantastic. Uh. And so okay. that's the same thing, I think, with Vilgefortz. And what we'll get with maybe Emir also is that they're doing all this bad stuff, but there's reasoning behind it. Yeah, I, ho- I hope we get a lot of Emir. I want to see, I don't know, I just loved Emir's portrayal in the game. Like the character model they chose for him, the look, the voice actor, everything was just spectacular. He just seeped menace and power and gravitas. I hope they can nail that in the show as well. Like, the show, show watchers should be afraid of Amir. Like I said, you remember who the voice actor was, right? No. It was, it was Charles Dance, the guy who played Tywin. It was Charles Dance! Yeah. <laughs> it was the guy who played Tywin. And that's the thing where, like, I, I, I didn't see, when I read the book, book Amir to me is not quite like that. Like, I don't see him as dry and as portrayed quite like that now i see him as stern no question but i see him with just maybe a little more personality to it like with some kind of not relatability um i guess charisma you could say i don't know yeah that's sort of like politicking charm you know like he is the leader yeah Yeah, he he is the emperor he's got to be likable in some aspect i mean he does have a lot of people trying to kill him and do a lot of coups (laughs) so maybe i'm wrong on that aspect (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it is Nilfgaard, which essentially doubles for someone of the Roman Empire. So I don't know. Everyone's trying to kill everybody there. So let's let's wrap up the. We're getting like all over the place, which is great because yeah. we're super excited. Let's wrap up uh, like the first part of our discussion here. So we talked about Vilgefortz and Emir. Uh, we touched on the prophecy a little bit. Do you think the prophecy will play a bigger role in season two, or are we still going to sort of just see it and hear it in the background? until it starts to become more and more relevant. I mean, I don't think they're going to pull a destiny on us and beat it over the head, like, every episode. But, I, <laughs> again, it is what's driving everything. Like, everything has been driven from 
the Nilfgaardian invasion. The Nilfgaardian invasion was from Ithlian's prophecy. Everybody wants Siri because of this. We haven't talked about the Wild Hunt. <laughs> the Wild Hunt's going to come into play because of this also. Yeah. And so yeah, now you've got prophecy. Yeah. Now you got people from a whole other world, a whole other dimension, are wanting this girl not because of her, but because of her blood. Literally because of her baby making abilities. And so it will, it should absolutely play a huge role. And I think that's why we heard it twice. We heard Kyer end an episode with it. And then the next episode, Siri ended it killing those people with the actual thing being said. So I think that was laying the groundwork for when they bring it up. We're like, oh, yeah, we heard that last season. I agree. I think the prophecy needs to play a bit more of a critical role going forward because it does tie so many of these different parties together. You know, all of these people you've mentioned and why they're hunting Siri all of it can sort of be threaded and tied back to the prophecy. And that's that's key. That's central. And I, I think we will hear uh, quite a bit more about it next season. Um, speaking of season two, let's get into the second part of our discussion today. We wanted to do some speculation and some uh, theory crafting for what we might see in season two in particular, and maybe even in future seasons. And the first thing we wanted to talk about, and we talked, again, touched on this quite a bit in our season one breakdown episodes, Nilfgaard, Kahir, and Fringilla. What the heck is going on? <laughs> well, the th- okay, so here's <laughs> what we know. We know that the costume designer is not returning. We know, and it might not go into this, the fight coordinator, the Vladimir guy who was the Night King and all that, he is not returning. Hmm, okay. No directors from the first scene uh, from the first season are returning, and I believe they said something about how I know when the whole thing came out about the armor. Uh, Lorne, the showrunner, said that they wanted to start out kind of bad because it's like, oh, there's supposed to be this like backwater kingdom who's now becoming more powerful, and so I think it's evident that they're going to at least change the aesthetic look of Nilfgaard. So yeah, we'll probably hopefully leave all that talk in the first season. But I don't yes, remember no more ball sack armor. The ball sack. I don't armor, want to have to say uh, those words ever again. R.I.P. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe not. They maybe, just, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the the religious fanaticism. I I don't know if they'll do that because again, there is like a cult of it. But we kind of really only saw that mainly because we never saw like normal Nilfgaard soldiers, or we never read about normal Nilfgaard soldiers in the books. We only really saw that fanaticism was towards the emperor. And it was towards Emir and the White Flame, as opposed to it being like the religious one. And so maybe I hope, when I say hope, it's obviously what I want to see, is they turn that religious fanaticism into fanaticism about Emir. I agree. Something that's interesting that came up, I was just watching episodes seven and eight with a friend who finally got around to watching the season. And as soon as we got to that scene where Kahir and Fringilla are strategizing, right outside of Sodden Hill, and they keep mentioning the white flame, she had to pause and turn to me and be like, what the fuck is the white flame? (laughs) What is the white flame? (laughs) Is that a person? Is that a religion? Why do they keep bringing that up? And the only response I could give her was, I know what it is in the books. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I don't know what it is in the TV show, you know? Like, where are they taking it? The two characters that I'm quite confused about in this first season, at least based off of the setup, that we've gotten are Kahir and Fringilla. Because in the books, they have really drastically different arcs than how they're presented thus far in season one. 
do you think Kahir is beyond redemption at this point? Like, have do you think they're going to have to do a lot of walking back of his character in season one to sort of align him with where he ends up in the books? Because, you know, obviously he does align himself with Geralt at some point and decides to save Ciri instead of Hunter. Well, an easy way they can do it is just hit a reset on it and kind of merge it with what happened in the books where Kyer fails, goes back to Emir and all that. And he's like, ah, fuck, you messed up. I'm going to execute you. And he gets one more chance. And that's his one more chance to go get Siri. And so with this, they can just do that. Okay, they lost yeah. the battle. Season two starts out. He goes back to Emir. Again, it can be the introduction to Emir with all the other stuff I mentioned before. And then it be, you failed. Don't fail again. If you fail again, you know, you know you're going to get the worst death, blah, blah, blah. And now he goes back and it merges with the books when then he becomes sympathetic and we get it. Now, the only thing is, it's going to be really weird because we've seen so much Kyrie and it doesn't seem that he's in love with Siri like he is in the books. Right. But we he, maybe because when the Doppler Siri was there... He was kind of talking in that tone that it was, he might have been like a sympathetic, you know? Yeah, yeah, That that's the scene I keep coming back to over and over again that I think is, that'll be sort of when we look back after watching season two and after potentially seeing the Kaihir redemption arc. In that scene, he was sympathetic to Siri and didn't seem like he was ready to turn her in or kill her, you know? Like, I think that scene tells us a little bit about where they might be taking him in future seasons. And I think they're planting the seeds of his sort, like his series sympathy, if you want to call it, or I guess his outright love for her eventually. Well, they, uh, hopefully they just get rid of that. <laughs> they don't need yeah, that. They, they just like, got to get rid of that. Yeah. They, they don't need the pedophilia. We didn't, we, we didn't need it in the books, you know, Andre. <laughs> I don't think yeah. we needed that part. Yeah. In the we books. didn't need that. We sure as shit creepy. don't need it in 2020 TV. So, I'm um, confident yeah, hope, they'll change that. What I would like to see them do now is they hit that reset. And then from this point on, now she's going back and it goes up to where the Thanet coup. And then we kind of, you know, go along with it is from the books. And then he gets his redemption and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that's how we'll see that character arc play out, um, at least based off what we know in the novels. Again, anything and literally everything we're saying in this episode could be wrong and could be totally different depending on how the showrunners want to take these characters. The characters themselves in the first season are slightly different, right? Like Geralt and Yennefer aren't exactly the book characters that we know and love. They're just slightly different. Their motivations have been tweaked. And we'll, we'll see how far that continues in future seasons. Um, let's transition to The Witchers and our boy Geralt. Because we've gotten some exciting casting confirmations very recently, in the past couple of weeks. And we know almost for certain now that we're probably going to see Kaer Morin and we're definitely going to see Vesemir, Lambert, and Eskel because we got casting confirmations. I'm stoked. Yeah, it's, it's where the books pretty much start. It technically doesn't start at Kaer Morin. It starts with the retelling of Sodden and kind of laying the ground for everything it goes in there with like Sheldon Skaggs and all that stuff in there. But yeah, when we get to the main characters, it's witches that care more and um, it's Triss arriving there. So at the end of the last book, she was supposedly dead on the hill, you know, the 14th of the hill. So she's alive. She's there. She becomes um, like a big sister to Siri. 
and she gets into it with Lambert, <laughs> and Vesemir gets into it with everybody. Yes. <laughs> Cranky Vesemir. And so, yeah, yeah, no question. Like, they're, yeah, that's a, it's a given that we will see those Witchers because they have been cast, which means it's a 99.9% certainty that we'll get Care Morin. Which I'm very excited to see on screen. You know, we, we've seen the video game adaptation, we've read about it in the novels, and uh, I'm excited to see Care Morin presented on screen. It's the Witcher School. It's where they were trained. Yeah, and we've seen, if you followed, I know Freya Allen, who plays Siri on her Instagram, she started some training, you know, like sword fighting yes. training and all that. So, again, she'll have a lot more time now to get better at that if they haven't filmed it already. Thanks to Corona. Yep. Like I said at the start of the show, I think season two will be series season. We are going to get a lot of characterization and a lot of growth for her. At least that's my guess. She spends most of Blood of Elves training. At the start, she's training at Kermorin with Geralt and the gang. And then later on, Geralt and Triss take her to Elander and to Nenek. Is that how you say that? Nenika. Nenika. Sure. Wow. I've been saying it wrong in my brain for five fucking years. Yeah, I pretty much just go by the audiobooks and then some of the, the, the Gwent cards too. So uh, I, okay. mainly the audiobooks. And it's like Nenika. Oh, that sounds right. Nenika. That sounds much more correct than Nenek. Nenek. <laughs> Nenek. Damn it. Now I'm embarrassed. Well, they take her to Nenica, and uh, she trains under Yennefer there while Geralt goes and hunts Reince. And I think a lot of the season is going to be Siri training, but we're going to learn about her bloodline, about her past. We're going to see some character growth for her, and hopefully there will be quite a bit of world building through that as well. And there's a big part there to hit on also. We know, or it's confirmed that Yarpin is back. Uh, the, the character who played them is that he's he's actually reading the book too. He just tweeted it uh, the other day. Uh, I think it's a reread actually, but he's back in it, which to me guarantees that if he's in it, because in the books when he's in there is that caravan in Kedwin yep. that gets attacked by the Scoyatel. And at that moment, when they first get attacked, is when Geralt is with Ciri at Shaharawed, these ancient elven ruins, and he tells her the story of Aelorin and basically like the death knell, if you will, of the elven race. Like that was their high watermark. They went into this glory fight. They got slaughtered. And from that moment on, like the elves numbers have just been dwindling for that say. And so Siri really gets this sad aspect. of just like, what's all this fighting? Why is all this happening? And then instantly is like, oh shit, something's happening. They go back, this convoy is being attacked. And Yarpin, who she really does bond with too. Like we should get like at least one really good scene of like her understanding other races and understanding more so of the persecutions of this. Absolutely. And so what, yeah, and what happens in here, again, if you know that, is they get attacked by the Scoia'tael, but they were tipped off by the Kedwenis, the people that they were doing it to test these dwarves' loyalty. And so these dwarves die, and these people that Ciri was with, and so she sees this just complete senseless bloodshed, and it almost increases her conviction to where... It's Witcher-esque in the fact that, man, everything kind of sucks. I just need to do what is right, what I think is right. Yeah, I hope we see all of that. Like, Yarpin is such a critical part of Ciri's character development, her personal development, her growth. And we see a lot of world building while they're in that caravan as well. Geralt explains, like you said, the, the fall of the elves. And I think that's going to be a big part of season two. I hope we get to see a lot more world building. Uh, one last thing I'll say about Vesemir before we move on to, to our next discussion. It's not Mark Hamill. It never should have been. 
stop. <laughs> it, and yeah, did you see that like he was offered it, I believe? Do you see where Michael Keaton was offered it? No, Michael wait, maybe Ke- no. I Michael Ke- Michael Keaton and Mads Mikkelsen, I believe, were offered it and they turned it down. Oh wow. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, that's the I mean Redanian... people have been yammering about Mads Nicholson since before The Witcher was even announced. Like And that's what shocked me that they actually offered him that because that's whom that was such a big fan thing for him to play Geralt. Yeah. And that's what would have been so weird if they would have if he would have gotten it in the, I don't know. That would have been distracting as hell. Mark Hamill would have been distracting as hell. Uh, right. So yeah, like, I'm you glad. You don't want like, Luke Skywalker. He's, he's Luke to, Skywalker, like, yeah. and I yeah. never watched. I never watched like the animated Batman's, but apparently he's also like synonymous with the Joker. Yes. Yep. So that's like an. I'm, don't get me wrong. He's not going to do a Joker voice as Vesemir, which <laughs> actually now that you mentioned it, that might actually mm. be pretty good. <laughs> Joker Vesemir. Hey, there's a new gamers rise up meme. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't go through with Mark Hamill. I think he's too attached to other iconic pop culture characters, and it would just be distracting the entire time. He would be his performance would be compared to other iconic roles, and it just it would take away from the story. So, yeah, I'm, no, I'm glad the fans lost that one. The fans are not always right. <laughs> yeah, completely. Okay, so let's wrap up this section by talking about Siri. We've already touched on some of this earlier in the episode, so um, let's go over some of the things that we haven't discussed yet. I think Freya Allen has her work cut out for her. I think she's up to the task, but I think this season is going to lay a lot of groundwork for Siri going forward into future seasons, but also for show-only watchers to learn more about Siri and get more insight into who she is, what she is, and what she will eventually become. Yeah, and we, we're we going to get the hard-ass, uh, crap, what was that movie with J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller, the drummer, and he's like a hard-ass I don't know. Coach. Oh, what was that movie? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, we'll get that where Yen starts to train Siri, calling her Ugly Duckling, and Siri's like, yo, you suck, I don't like you. And then by the end of the book, again, she realizes like, okay, I didn't like you at first, but they've bonded. Yen is hard on her because she needs to be. Like, it's one of those things. And I think it's going to be another one of those people like, oh, Yen's a bitch. Oh, look, it's Yen being a bitch again. And uh, to those, I just say, again, it's easy for me to look at that as the coach in me and the athlete in me to see like, oh, yeah, it's just a hard ass coach. That's what happens, especially when someone she's like a chosen one kind of thing. And right. as a There's coach, so much potential, you know? You yeah, you're have harder to mold on that potential. Yes, you're harder on your better players, your people that can do it. You're not hard on the people that you don't really think are going to do anything or you really don't even care for at times. You're harder on the people that you know can be better. And so with Siri, she knows that she is, you know, going to be the most powerful being in existence. Yeah, exactly. I'm very excited to see both her bond with Geralt, but also her bond with Yennefer, which I think in some ways is much more personal, much more touching, and much more powerful. It really does become a mother-daughter bond between them. And I'm excited to see that. I think we are almost definitely going to see that happen in season two. And when they reunite after Stiga, after the whole thing gets through, when all three of them come together, it's mama and daughter. She doesn't say papa. and it Literally, she says mama to Yen, and Yen says daughter to Siri. So that, that to me was very telling. Yeah, the connection with Yennefer is much deeper than it is with Geralt. One thing about Siri that I did want to mention, and again, I think we mentioned this a little earlier, but 
we talked about in our previous episode, we had a friend of the pod, Casey, on. She's a show-only watcher. And something we discussed was timeline. The season one timeline was a big point of contention among viewers and particularly reviewers who really bashed the show for it. Lauren Hissrick has said that the season two timeline will be a bit more straightforward and there will be less jumping around. Something that's a bit confusing about that, though, is alongside the casting announcements for The Witchers, they also announced the casting announcement for Novellin. And that's a short story that takes place before all of this. So now I'm wondering, are we going to see the timelines jump again? Or is Siri going to accompany Geralt to Novellin's house? Because I imagine that as maybe something that happens as they're heading towards Kaer Morhen, like a little side adventure that takes place. And maybe Ciri's there this time. Yeah, I, I don't think they're not going to jump around. Like, there's no reason to do it now. Like, I don't think there is. And as far as Novellin goes, it could be when they leave Kaer Morhen. True. There are, there are two points in Blood of Elves where Ciri and Geralt are traveling together. And I think those yeah. could be opportunities to bring Novellin in. Yeah, and then that could be, yeah, it's just a little side one that they throw in. Um, cause I, you know, Verena has been cast also, so yes. it seems to be like they're going to do the story from it, but yeah, that's just what it could be is they're traveling or just, I don't know, maybe Geralt. Yeah. Geralt on his way somewhere. They, they just throw it off and they just put it in there. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really weird that they're doing that cause they didn't need to do it because that, as far as I remember, like that short story isn't tied into anything that comes about. It is literally Geralt, Roach, Verena, and Novellin. <laughs> and nothing plays into it. There's no prophecies into it. There's nothing that leads on down the road. It is a self-contained short story. I think Novellin was maybe a choice made because of fan service. As much as I sort of hate the word fan service, I think this was something where the fans, including myself, I'll admit, really wanted to see Novellin and that short story in season one. Yeah. And we didn't. And I think now they're just like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, let's give the fans what they want here. Let's do yeah, a Novellin story. And an example to do that is, like, that does, it's hard for me to tie that in with anything that we know about. An easy short story, and one I actually think they're going to do, and one I cannot wait for, because it might be my favorite short story, is A Shard of Ice. A Shard of Ice, yeah. You yes. Mentioned and it. that's an easy way, because it doesn't have to be in the, I can't uh, Dar Gars Velen was that it? Gors Velen. Gors Velen. Yeah, and so it doesn't even have to be there. It can just be wherever where they just come across, and then you get this conflict between them. So that's an easy way to throw in this short of ice uh, to essentially when to split Geralt and Yennefer up because again they're gonna get split up. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if we revisit any short stories because season one obviously didn't cover all of the short stories. There are a handful of them still left over. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if we revisit any of them in season two, and if we even have time to revisit them, and how that affects the timeline and the storytelling. But I hope we commit to a more straightforward timeline, because I'm sick of trying to explain what happens where and with who to all of my friends. <laughs> yeah, and she, and she said it, and there's no reason not to believe it. Like, I think it's one of those, they did something, it, it worked for some, it didn't work for a lot, and there's no reason to do it again. Right. Until the Lady of the Lake when it's all over the place. <laughs> then you can blame the books. <laughs> right. By that time, you're fucking committed. If you've made it oh, that yeah. far into the show. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. 
Hello, everyone. This is Michael from the Lore Party Podcast Network. I'm the producer and host of Minigame, a podcast that takes a deeper look at the stories of our favorite video games. Every episode is only about five to ten minutes long, and I analyze the themes, characters, and stories in the games we love and highlight games you may never heard of before. Subscribe to Minigame and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you find podcasts. Okay, we have talked quite a bit. Let's wrap up today's episode with two things. One, a couple of things that you and I really want to see in season two. Not the things we think will be there, but maybe some hopeful stuff that we're wishing to see. And then uh, let's also wrap up by talking about the things we hope not to see in season two. Uh, what, what are some things that you really want to see next season? The Well, I kind of hit up on a lot of them. Like, I yeah. really want to see the Shard of Ice storyline. Uh, another thing to hit on, like I said, uh, the Shaharawed. I want to see Shaharawed. I want to see the attack on the convoy, which I am 100% certain. Certain. I'm 100% certain that we will see the attack on the convoy because Yarpin is confirmed to be back and that's all that he's in there and there's no real reason to cast him again and not have that in there. And so I, those two things I really, really, really want to see. Yeah, I'm a, I totally agree on seeing Yarpin again. And again, I agree that we're almost, there's a 99.9% certainty that we will see him and we'll see the convoy, but I'm very excited to see that play out. I think something else I'm looking forward to, like I mentioned earlier, is Siri's relationship with Yennefer and watching it evolve. And hopefully through that process, we learn more about the prophecy, about Siri's blood, about her powers, and what her role in the larger story and in the world will be. Hopefully we get some more world building that way. And I'm honestly, like, even if it is fan service, I'm looking forward to the Novellan episode. Like, it's one of my favorite short stories. And I think it's an iconic one that a lot of Witcher fans were hoping to see in season one. So, hey, I'm glad that it's basically confirmed we're getting it in season two. Okay, what are some things that you are hoping not to see or are hoping the show avoids doing in season two? I guess the main thing would be, I don't want to see, like pulling back like we mentioned already before about the Nilfgaard, like religious fanaticism. Yeah. Uh, make it more about the empire, make it more about the emperor. So make it more like a nationalist kind of thing as opposed to like a religious fever, I suppose. Yeah. But no, that's pretty much it. Other that. than that, there's really nothing, because we just don't, we just don't know. I, the biggest thing to me that I'm, I'm not worried about, but just the biggest question mark to me is still the fact that Philippa has not been even like cast or talked about. I'm just she's finding important. that she's incredibly <laughs> important. Like she literally run would is going to end up running the Lodge of Sorceresses. She's the most ambitious. She's Dijkstra has been cast, so Dijkstra will be in this season. She's there with Dijkstra. But you she's would the think advisor. they would announce a Philippa cast. That's what's driving me crazy, right? Like if you announce Dijkstra, it's it's really weird. Again, she she was at Sodden. She fought at Sodden. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Brett. Maybe she just is going to get cut. She is not going to get cut. No. <laughs> Hell no. She, there's no... You can't. She literally is the one pulling the strings. Like, we know this. She pulls the strings of everything, like, going forward with the Lodge in regards would it, to Would Siri. it be so crazy to replace her with Tessaia? Like, have Tessaia do all those things? That would... Yeah, because we need Tessaia's death at Thanid. Yeah. 
We yeah, need we her do. poetic justice death of like slitting her wrists the same way Yen slit hers. She loses power and gives in to chaos. Right. Well, here's to hoping they're just keeping the Philippa reveal as a secret and a surprise for season two. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of those things. In addition to that, again, I men- mentioned this earlier. I hope we don't get any more split timelines, time hopping. I think uh, that was a big criticism in season one. I suspect they won't do that again in season two, but I, I hope we don't see it. And then again, I also mentioned this just now, but I sincerely hope we wait on the Thanat coup until the following season and we let season two breathe. I want to see world building like we've discussed. I want to see character building. I want to see character arcs flesh out more. I want to learn more about the world and the backgrounds for some of these very important characters. And I hope the season is given enough space and time to breathe and really let us be immersed in the world and to tell those stories at a pace where, you know, we can enjoy them. So those are two things I hope not to see. I don't want to see a season two get rushed just so we can get to the Thanet coup and uh, I don't want to see any split timelines in addition to the Nilfgaard stuff and the Philippa stuff that you mentioned. But I fully trust Lauren Hisrick and the rest of the team and the showrunners. They did a great job. They did as well as they could with season one. And you and I, of course, we had our criticisms, but overall we enjoyed the season. And I think I can speak for both of us when I say that 2021 can't come fast enough, depending on what corona does i guess wellaboo podcasts are podcasts lesser greater middling they're all the same but we've completed our contract and it's time to collect our reward so please leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and check out the other shows on the lore party podcast network on loreparty.com you can also follow us on twitter and instagram at lore underscore party thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the path